Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. We're back looking at 1 Corinthians. And the last time that we went through 1 Corinthians, we finished the first 15 verses. And Samuel and I are back in the studio today, and we're going to be starting in verse 16. But one thing I want to say before we get started, that from a hermeneutical standpoint, that this is a difficult chapter because Paul is constantly moving back and forth from this is the Lord's command and this is what Mm -hmm. I am saying versus what I am saying. And as we finished the last 15 verses, Samuel and I talked about the wisdom sayings in the uh, Old Covenant Scriptures, that when you look at wisdom and you look at what Solomon is saying as Proverbs is written, it's not so much in a command but he is giving godly guidance and wisdom that everything that is being said is being directed by the Holy Spirit and that we should listen at everything that is being said and to take it in the same understanding just as a command that is coming to us. So here is Paul, who is the founder of this congregation. He, he has apostolic authority. He's speaking and writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is not coming and saying, thus saith the Lord, but he's looking at the situation and saying, this is what you need to do. And the believers better listen with godly ears to hear what Paul, Shaul, is saying. Even if it's not coming with, this is the Lord's command, it's not a secondary aspect to it that, oh, I don't have to follow what he is saying because Mm -hmm. he didn't say, thus saith the Lord. Now, when I was in Israel, I was talking to a a young man, Jewish young man, and we were talking about the issue of getting drunk. And he said, there's not anywhere in the Hebrew scriptures where it says that you cannot get drunk. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, what about Proverbs 20 and Proverbs 23? It talks about staying away from fermented wine, from strong drink, from drink that would lead to intoxication. He looked at me and said, but that's not a command. That's just God giving wisdom. And I said, well, shouldn't you listen to the voice of God and what God is saying? He said, yes, it's wisdom, but it's not a command. So in Israel, many times, the ultra-religious Orthodox, they get drunk, especially at Purim. They're supposed to get so drunk, they don't know the difference between a man and a woman and from Haman and Mordecai. And the ultra-religious will take shot after shot until they fall out of their chairs. Now, in their mindset, there wasn't a command, do not get drunk. So when they look at Proverbs chapter 20, chapter 23, where wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler, and chapter 23 is very specific to stay away from something that's going to lead you to intoxication, giving you God's wisdom, they say it's not a command. That's wrong. In the same way, it would be wrong as we're going through chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians to say, well, here it's a command of the Lord, but over Mm -hmm. here, this is Paul just giving wisdom. Mm -hmm. 
This is the wisdom of God that is coming to the church at Corinth. They had better listen to what Paul is saying. Mm -hmm. And he is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. All scripture is God-breathed, mm -hmm. and we need to understand that. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts about that, Samuel, before we move on? Yeah, I think you explained it really well. When we read the Bible, we don't get to pick and choose which parts are relevant to us. And uh, I know that that's been one of the biggest lies of postmodernism among my generation is that whatever standards people have, you get to choose which standards you accept as truth and which ones you can kind of say, well, that doesn't apply to me. I can do whatever I want. If you keep that idea that whatever the Bible is telling you, it's truth apart from you. It is true. It's absolute truth. And when you read it, you don't get to choose what it says. If you keep that, uh, like you said in the hermeneutics podcast, on the forefront of your mind, you go back to original intent when you're reading the Bible, then you're changed. And you, you allow the Bible and the truth to change you and bring you the wisdom. And you allow that wisdom to, to, to change you. So I think uh, that's real important. Yes, the wisdom of God that is mm -hmm. flowing through this apostle who mm -hmm. laid down his life, really, to bring the gospel to many different areas of the world that established this congregation, and he has authority to speak from God on these issues. Mm -hmm. And they better listen. This is God working through Paul's life. And in this postmodern uh, world that we're living in, I agree with you. They don't want to criticize anyone else in the way that they're living. I don't want to be a judger, a hater. They need to go back a couple of chapters to 1 Corinthians 5. They need to listen to that podcast mm -hmm. and look at what Paul does with the sin that has developed within this congregation. Because there is right, there is wrong, there are moral absolutes. Mm -hmm. And we do not judge inside the body to condemn or with hypocrisy, but we judge, does this represent God or not? And we love this individual, and so we must speak to it. Mm -hmm. And that needs to come back to the body of the Messiah in the Western culture, that we're not pantheistic in our worldview, that mm -hmm. all roads lead to God and there are no moral absolutes. There is one God, there is one Lord, there is one salvation, there mm -hmm. is one body, and there are absolute truths, and the Word of God is God's Word that can bring forth a difference within their lives. Mm -hmm. So they need to listen to it. Yeah. Whether it says, thus saith the Lord, or it's giving wisdom, right. and when Solomon talks about in Proverbs. Right. There's a, I guess this is kind of a cheesy Christian thing, but the sa Satan is the father mm -hmm. of lies. And God is the author of truth. And so when we hear someone speak in wisdom and they're speaking out truth, you know that that ultimately is a gift from God. God is speaking through that individual, giving you wisdom, giving you truth. So you should treat that as if God is telling you. Yes. Uh, and, you know, yourself. And the Bible constantly mm -hmm. tells us, speak the truth in love. Yes. So we're speaking truth because we love God and we love individuals and we see things that can destroy their lives and we want to speak the truth in love. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing, Samuel, can you explain what cheesy is? Because we're speaking to a lot of different oh, yes, cultures. Yes. What 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 exactly is cheesy? Well, there may be a phrase 
an idiom or a colloquialism that is overused, and people use it so much that when you hear it, it could just make you groan because it is so overused, and you think that is very old and it's not super cool or relevant anymore. And but it gets the point across, right. and so it's a phrase you know that. It may tell you exactly what you need to know, but it's just very overused. I see. And All right. Well, let's jump into the text here. Let's start with verse 16. And I'm going to read all the way down to verse 24. Okay. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner led him walk, and so I direct in all the churches. Was any man called when he was already circumcised? He is not to become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision? He is not to be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. Each man must remain in that condition in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were, you were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. And what Paul is emphasizing here is that people are coming to know God through Christ mm -hmm. in many different backgrounds. And remember, I believe, if I remember back many years of studying the city of Corinth at this time, there was about 650,000 people in this city. 400,000 of them were slaves. 250,000 were free. It was part of the Roman Empire the economic system, everything about that culture was based upon, are you free or are you a slave? So I would guess that many that had come to the Lord were coming to the Lord as slaves. What is important is that here they're slaves, but in Christ they're free. Mm -hmm. And those that are free, they are a slave to Christ. And what that is doing, what Paul is saying, the goal is not to go out and to fight every social injustice that is out there. If you can become free, become free. But recognize who you are in Christ. You are free. Mm -hmm. And one of the greatest letters that you'll ever read that hardly anyone ever reads is uh, Philemon. Philemon. Mm -hmm. And it's about a slave, that, a slave man and a free man and how they are to be brothers they are to be reunited as brothers in the Lord. And as we come and look at the body, people are coming from different backgrounds economically, from different backgrounds as far as status in society, mm -hmm. many different ethnicities, but we're one body, one faith, and whatever our background, we come together not with the goal of changing everything immediately about us, if we're a slave and we can become free, do it. But we need to recognize right now that we are free in Christ. Mm -hmm. And if we are free, we need to understand 
we are a slave to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so it's bringing us together as one body, one understanding, and it's not about changing our outward circumstances. This is what I want to try to say, because everything about the church today is about trying to change my outward circumstances so I can move up the ladder in society. Right. But it's about recognizing who we are in Christ, and truly our identity is through Him. It's not that if I was circumcised, now I become uncircumcised, or if I'm uncircumcised, now I have to go out and get circumcised. It's about following God, the things of God, from the heart, and being faithful to God. It's not about whether I'm a Jew or a Gentile. It's not about if I'm a male or female, bond or free, but we are one in Christ Jesus. This is what he says in the book of Galatians. So I see some of that same understanding coming through. Don't worry about changing your outward situation. What is more important is who you are in Christ. Right, right. And this is this is such a very cool passage because he instantly is fighting against some of the Jewish tradition where it's very common for people to be seated at a dinner table based on their status. Everywhere they went, it was apparent what class that person was from. Even in Roman society, they were brought up learning exactly who was who as far as the class and how you were to respect and treat certain people because of their status. And so he comes against all of that in this very liberal and progressive city, and he says, it doesn't matter if you're free. It doesn't matter if you're a slave. When you think about coming to to Christ, if you're free, you're a slave. And if you're a slave, you're free. Instantly, everyone is equal in Christ. And so that is something that I think is, is very beautiful, about about Jesus and about salvation in Christ is that it doesn't matter what caste you're from. It doesn't matter what class you're from. It doesn't matter what your situation and your financial status that you were born into. What matters is your heart, what's on the inside. Yes. And so it's not the circumcision that is making these people God's chosen people. Yes, and this is flowing out of this whole issue of marriage, divorce, Mm -hmm. uh, singleness. And it starts with talking to the wife, whether you will save your husband. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Mm -hmm. Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? So what we need to remember in this chapter is that People are coming to faith, and one of the spouses is a believer, and now the other spouse is not a believer. We're not talking about a believer marrying a non-believer, but we're talking about Mm -hmm. people coming to faith within Corinth, and now you have a husband that's a believer and a wife that's not a believer. Paul is saying, stay together. Don't leave each other. Mm -hmm. Let the believer be a covering for your spouse and for your children. And how do you not, How? just think about it, what Paul is saying, through your faith, the other may come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So whatever your circumstance is, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, free, slave, whether you're a believer, Mm -hmm. you're a believer at this time and you have an unbelieving spouse, Mm -hmm. 
see God in that situation, serve God, be faithful to God, and as a believing spouse, you may bring the other to faith. And again, I want to emphasize, this is not a believer marrying a non-believer, but this is a married couple where one came to faith. Now, how do we Mm -hmm. deal with that? And that's the whole context. Stay together. But if the unbeliever wants to leave, wants to abandon you, you have to let them go. You're not bound to that anymore. But through your prayer and your commitment and your faith, who knows, the other may come to faith. And I have seen that many times. If you're free, praise God. If you're a slave, continue to praise God. If you can become free, do that. But recognize who you are Mm -hmm. in the Messiah. Let's go on to verses 25 through 28. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. So again, this is the opinion, the wisdom that is coming from Paul, the apostle, to the church at Corinth. I think, verse 26, I think then that this is good in view of the present distress. So what is the context? There is a present distress, persecution. I would see it in the context of a persecution that is coming against the believers. So he says, in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. But if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. Now, when he says this life, he's not talking about life in general, but contextually in a time of distress. So he's saying in this Mm -hmm. present time of distress, if you go ahead and get married, that's fine. You haven't done anything wrong. But if you don't marry during this time, then he is advising them that he is sparing you from a lot of difficulties in this culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not just a statement, don't get married. But in the context of Mm -hmm. distress, he is saying, I'm trying to spare you. And that takes, I would say, a considerable amount of focus when you're reading this is those words only have the meaning that they're supposed to in the context. And so you really have to read that context and not just read it as, oh, he says, yet such will have trouble in this life. Oh, that's my entire life. And he's telling me, that if I want to have a life that's really troublesome and that's really hard and it's difficult, then go marry somebody because that's just going to give you trouble. Uh, but he, he's not saying that. Right. He's, you know, if you read it in the context of him talking to these people in this present distress, then it makes sense when he uses that phrase in this life. Right. And I would encourage everyone to go ahead and start reading 2 Corinthians And when you start reading this letter, you see how much persecution that he went through in his life Mm -hmm. and uh, how many times he had been beaten, how many times he's been put in prison, uh, shipwrecked, uh, in danger, fighting wild animals. He was Mm -hmm. probably put in a gladiator type of arena where he had to fight the Mm -hmm. wild beasts, those kind of things, maybe even at Caesarea Mm -hmm. where he was there for two years. He has experience to look at it and say, at this time, 
in this present distress, I want to spare you. It's be If you can stay from not getting married right now, mm-hmm. it'll be a benefit to you. Mm-hmm. And again, I agree with you. Stay within the context. Verses 29 through 31. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened, so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they had none, and those who weep as those that did not weep, and those who rejoice as those that did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away. And when I look at these verses, I see what Paul is saying is let there be a complete focus on the things of God. The things of this world are passing away. We're not just talking about bad things. We're talking about the things and the responsibilities. And if we have a family and a wife and a husband and all these responsibilities, uh, our focus is not on that, but it's on the Lord. And we need to live a life in that way. Now, Jesus is very uh, uses some very similar language when he talks about discipleship as well. But I see Paul saying, you have to live a life in this time of distress that the only thing that is important is not the things of the world. It's not saying that we neglect those things, but we live as that is not the most important thing. Mm-hmm. This is what I believe that Paul is saying. What is important, the world is passing away. The temporal things are passing away. Mm-hmm. But the eternal things of God should be your focus within your life. Amen. Amen. This, so I, uh, you may have to edit this out because okay. I just thought of this. Okay. And so I'm thinking through it as I'm saying it. This is when Paul Paul's writing this while he is in, under house arrest, right? No, he, he's actually in Ephesus at okay. this time. Okay, he, he's still free. Okay. I, I was thinking about the persecution of the church and him saying, but I say this, brethren, the time has been shortened. And I think, has the time literally been shortened? No. I mean, time is continuous and it, it's rhythmic. But I think what he's talking about is... These Christian brothers and sisters, their their time is short because they're dying. They're being persecuted. And so he's saying, listen, people are coming to kill you, and your life is going to end sooner rather than later. So I don't want you to assume that you have a long life to focus on, one, those who have wives— don't try to spend the rest of your days on your wife because you have all this time because you don't. The time is short. And then those who weep, if you have sorrow, your life is is shorter. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to enjoy being with your father in heaven. So why spend the rest of your time weeping in sorrow? And he's saying those who uh, rejoice as though they did not rejoice, same thing. You get so happy about things in this life and in this world, but that's not the most important thing. All of that's going to go away. And, you know, those who buy it did not possess because why buy something when your life is ultimately going to end through persecution very soon? Yes, and I think you hit a very important point that I did mm-hmm. not emphasize about the, the context of the shortened time that we mm-hmm. have. When you understand that time is shortened for us, 
and they're going through persecution. Two years later after this, he's going to write Romans. Mm -hmm. And in Romans chapter 8, he says, all day long we're being led as sheep to the slaughter. People are getting killed for their faith. This is a real distress. This would be very Mm -hmm. similar if you were in the Middle East as Israel or ISIS is rising up and they're crucifying people on crosses and coming in and and killing them if they if they don't deny Christ. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with a time like that. So when you put the context and when he says that uh, the time has been shortened, mm-hmm. it's not that we don't focus on our families or our wives or mourning or rejoicing right. or purchasing things, but that cannot be the focus of our lives. The focus of our lives is God and His Messiah and our salvation, Mm -hmm. and never to lose that perspective Mm -hmm. because the time is shortened. And I think in especially the Western society, we get really comfortable with our lives, and we think that we're invincible, we're going to go on forever. I, I think it's really easy for us to get focused on other things. You know, instantly it becomes about what's going on tomorrow on my schedule and how many people can I go hang out with and go see and I get to go stay with my family on vacation and I'm looking forward to that and my bank account and you know clothes and cars etc. I think you really hit it here that and I'm talking about the context Mm -hmm. think about in western culture we don't even have a desire to see the coming of the Lord Mm -hmm. we're so focused on this life Right. In our homes, in our cars, and our promotions, in our families, in our mm-hmm. jobs, and and these things are the temporal things right. of life, and our focus needs to be on the eternal things of God. And sometimes persecution brings that into a reality, and this could be what Paul is saying: the time is shortened. Don't focus on this world. This world is passing away. Whether it's even good things in mm-hmm. our life, it is short. Right. But our focus needs to be upon the Lord. Right. So thank you for bringing that up here. I really think it hit the context. Absolutely. Let's look at verses 32 through 35. Okay. But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. You see that context is flowing through here. Right. And his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. I think it's a continuation of that flow of thought. Now, going back to earlier in this chapter, Paul recognizes that you have to have a gift to remain single. And this is what we talked about in certain denominations or say in Roman Catholicism. All of their priests have to be single. That's wrong. Mm -hmm. That goes against what Paul is saying here. If someone has a gifting to put their whole focus upon the Lord and not to marry, mm-hmm. just think about what you can do for the kingdom of God. You don't right. have divided interests. But most people do not have that gifting. Paul had that gifting 
30 years of ministry. He could have never done the things that he did if he was married and had children. He had a responsibility to them. So when we look at the word world here, it's not in a negative sense, but it's talking about the responsibilities that we have if we're married, if we have a family, and we do have a responsibility to take care of them. If I go to India to minister in India, if I'm single, I can stay out in the villages for months at a time. But if I'm married and I have children, I have to think about where they're living. I have to think about their education. I have to think about security. India can be a very dangerous place. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that I have to think about because of a responsibility that I have to them. And I praise God for that responsibility. I'm not gifted to be single. But if I didn't have that, the amount of time and focus that I could put into the work of God would be incredible right. in comparison. Okay. This is what Paul is dealing with, especially in times of distress. And when there's persecution that's taking place, wow, you have to think about safety, wisdom, your children, your possessions to keep them secure as a father, mm -hmm. as a mother over the children. And there are so many dynamics that are there that if you were single during that time, you could just put your whole heart and focus and mind into right. serving God and doing the work of God. Two things that I, I think I get out of these statements is that, one, it takes a lot of focus and effort to be in a marriage. It doesn't work if you just half-heartedly do yes. it. And so no one should think that, getting married is just some fun thing to do, you know, really think about the commitment and the effort that it takes because it it's going to take some attention away from some other things and your attention is divided. I'm single and I find that I have infinitely more time on my hands than people that are, are married because I don't, I don't have to spend my effort and my focus and my time on another person. I can go do things like this podcast. And, you know, getting to uh, help volunteer at places and everything. And I think there's a lot to be said for people that are, are single and don't realize that is an opportunity for them at the moment. Uh, nobody's born married. That's a good point. Nobody's born married. And while you're not married, it would be better to realize that you have a, a gift of singleness at the moment. And it's an opportunity rather than just wallow and self-pity because you can't be like your other friends that are already married. Go yes. out and focus on giving everything that you have to the Lord first, even if you don't have the gift of continuing to be single throughout your life. While you are single, view that as an opportunity to really devote yourself in service to Him so that while you have that time, while you have that energy and that focus, you can do some incredible things. And it's a great point that you're, you're bringing out because I like what you have said. You may not be single all of your life. The whole focus sometimes of young adults is I've got to get married. I've got to get married. Mm -hmm. And instead, turn that around is I'll put that in God's hands. And as I am single, I can do so much for the kingdom of God. Right. right. So let me put my focus on God and the eternal things, and I'll leave the other in God's hands. Mm -hmm. And God knows how to bring the right person into my life at the right time. Right. And I see my life not through the image of the culture. I see my life through the lenses 
of Christ, right. my Lord and my Savior. He right. is my identity. Kind of talking about a little bit earlier about the you know freed man being a slave in Christ, yes. slave being a free man in Christ. It's not about the outside identity. Mm-hmm. It's about who you see yourself in Christ. Right. As he, the identity in Christ. Yes. People mm-hmm. beat themselves up because they're single. Culture beats them up. When I say beats mm-hmm. them up, that comes down on them very hard. That why aren't you married? Mm-hmm. You know what's happened. What what, what are you think, scared of? People think there's something wrong with them yes. because society and culture states that everyone should get married. Right, and they create that idea that if you aren't married soon, then there must be something wrong right. with you. A believer shouldn't worry about that and put their focus mm-hmm. on the things of God and let God bring the right person mm-hmm. into their life. And they may have the gift to be single, and they can spend their whole life doing the work of God. And I praise God that we're not in a time of distress as far as persecution, but those yes. days are coming in the future. I think that that is promised of God for the believers mm-hmm. in the future. And the Western culture better get ready for what's about to come against your faith, Mm -hmm. our faith, and it's time to get strong. Now let's look at verses 36 and 37 and understand it at the the context of it at the, the end of the verse, verse 37. But if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomingly toward his virgin daughter, if she is past her youth, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes, he does not sin, let her marry. The whole issue is letting her marry or not letting her marry. Mm-hmm. But he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will and has decided this in his own heart to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. So mm-hmm. whether the father gives his daughter in marriage or doesn't give her in marriage, both situations it's up to him he has done well. It's staying on the same subject as we have been dealing with because in this culture, it's a different culture. Uh, boys and girls don't go out and date. Mm-hmm. A girl, her identity is through her father. She must have the blessing of her father to be given into marriage. Mm-hmm. You're in a time of distress. What do we do? Let's read it again. But if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomely toward his virgin daughter, if she is past her youth, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let her marry. There's a time where she, she's gotten past her youth. It's time for marriage. And if he decides in this time of distress to give her into marriage, do that. There's no mm-hmm. uh, regulation. There's not any command. Don't You cannot give her into marriage because you're going through persecution. If you as a father want to do that with your daughter, you can do that. But he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will, and has decided this in his own heart to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. So if he decides not to give her in marriage, it's okay as well. Mm -hmm. So both situations, Paul is saying, either way, what the father thinks is the best to do In both situations, he has done well. Now let's go in verses 38 through 40. So then both he who gives 
his own virgin daughter in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage will do better. A wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Now, this is the first time we've dealt with the context of who you marry. Here, if, if one has lost their spouse and they've passed away, they're free to remarry, but only in the Lord. It must be something that the Lord approves uh, of, this marriage, a believer with a believer. It mm-hmm. is not giving permission to go out and marry whoever you want, but only in the Lord. But in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I also have the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. He is saying, in this time of distress, she loses her husband. She's free to go out and remarry, but in mm-hmm. the Lord, another believer. But during this time, he is saying she will be happier if she remains single. Mm-hmm. And he is saying, I have the Spirit of God. I can speak to this as I've got the Spirit of God to right. speak into this issue. Everything that Paul is saying I believe godly wisdom here, even when it's his opinion, even when it's not, thus saith the Lord. Sometimes he says, this is a commandment of the the Lord, and other times he says, this is what I feel you need to do. Mm -hmm. He is speaking and writing under the inspiration of God's Spirit. That's the last thing that he is saying. I also have the Spirit of the Lord. Mm -hmm. He's looking at the situation, trying to protect them, and give them godly wisdom. And every one of us today should listen to this sound advice that is coming from God through Paul to the church at Corinth. Amen. Now, there's a lot that is here. And I don't know if we satisfied every question that you have, but mm-hmm. I do believe that we stayed in the flow of the context. And hopefully you'll go through chapter 7, read it, understand what it meant, apply it to your life today. This is one of the most difficult chapters to teach, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, because of the hermeneutical principles that we have to deal with as we go through this chapter. Some things that we look at are coming out of persecution, and today in Western culture, we're not persecuted. Right. I mean, we talk about persecution, but we do not even have any idea of what it means to be persecuted for our faith, right. not like people in China or in Iran or in the former Soviet Union or in a Muslim country or in northern Nigeria. You, we can go on and on. Right. It's a life and death situation. And out of that comes this beautiful chapter about marriage, singleness, divorce, abandonment, giving your child into marriage, not giving them into marriage, and all of this instruction is coming from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that everything that we taught represented you, represented what you wanted to communicate to believers today. Use this for your glory. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.